Hello everyone, welcome to Elemental Care, um, Low Intensity Collective Alchemy. We are um, a branch of GWS, um, and we are about supporting healing justice, which is the right to heal from the violences of our social environments on a universal level. Um, our vision is individual healing, collective wellness, and community thriving. Uh, my name is Michael Lofton. I am your host today. Um, and so really just the point of these sessions are to share our natural tools and insights on um, just things going on in the world and trying to frame them in a way in which it's about like, you know, our healing, um, our individual healing, our collective wellness, our community thriving. Um, and then at the end of the year, we... Um, want to create a uh, care guidebook that we can share with different communities based on just like feedback and different like um, expressions that come out of these sessions. And so um, this is uh, May 8th. Um, it's currently 1114. And um, I'll be posting this at two o'clock, which is weird because you guys will be hearing this probably whatever time. Um, I'm not professional at this. I don't know how to do podcasts, but um, I'm realizing that the Zoom is getting a little bit not accessible enough, so I'm hoping that this will be able to like allow people to be involved in the session rather than like feeling like they're tangential because they don't have the time to come on Saturday at 2 o'clock. So, um, today I will be reading Hood Feminism, Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. Um, and so the reason why I chose uh, this as the topic for... Um, may um is very simple uh it's the time in which i feel like at least here in virginia um you know you're starting to see a lot of like spring starting to flourish and blossom and i can't help but think about like just all the opportunities that we have um in fighting food justice and fighting food equity um and also just the very healing powers of food um and so i'm not going to take a lot of time because i'm trying to make this video as concise as possible and so um i'm just gonna read this and then um i have like a little i guess uh call to action or um practice we can call it um at the end and then i will direct you guys to a link or to our web page where um if you guys have any insight or have any feedback you can you know express through there i'll have an option where you can add your pictures or you can add writing um I'm probably not going to read the entire part of the chapter um, just for time, but um, yeah, I hope that this is something that is, you know, able to, you know, find some connectivity and I'm doing this on Anchor, on the Anchor app. And so I'm hoping that um, like we're trying to get people aligned to be able to do, um, join us for a next session where people will be able to record from their phone, their home, their safety of their home, and we can kind of be in a little podcast. So if that's something that interests you, please hit me up. Um, and this is, uh, so the chapters that come before this um, is introduction, um, solidarity is still for white women, gun violence, um, and the third chapter is hunger. And so here we go. I always have to like, before I read, take like an inhale just to orient myself. Um, 
Okay. My first marriage ended in divorce. And afterward, I was on food stamps. I had a state-funded medical card that gave me and my son access to medical care, and I was living in public housing. I was fortunate at the time that this particular set of safety nets, of social safety nets, allowed me to leave my abusive ex and stay gone. I could raise my child in relative comfort and safety. Today, many of those safety nets have been greatly diminished. And in the case of public housing, it has nearly fallen away completely in many areas. We know in the abstract that poverty is a feminist issue. Indeed, we think of it as a feminist issue for other countries and that we are in a place where bootstraps and grit can be enough to get anyone who wants it bad enough out of poverty. But the reality is that it takes a lot more than gumption. I was lucky. I'm educated. My grammar school and high school curricula prepared me for a college education. I joined the army to pay for my degree. And since I was in Illinois, a state that has a tuition-free veteran grant program for state schools, it didn't matter that I was doing this in the days before the GI Bill paid enough to be useful. I was poor and it wasn't easy, but I had the handholds it can take to be upwardly mobile when you're marginalized and life is working against you in other ways. A childcare subsidy meant that, my, that when my ex didn't pay child support, my child was able to attend the high quality preschool on my college campus. I got a bachelor's degree in four years, went on to work full time and took a host of other perfectly boring but necessary steps that brought me to where I am today. With an advanced education, a wonderful family and a career that I enjoy, Oh, I read that wrong, but I'll say that again. I got a bachelor's degree in four years, went on to a work full time and took a host of other perfectly boring but necessary steps that brought me to where I am today with an advanced education, a wonderful family and a career that I enjoy. <laughs> if this were the usual heartwarming feel good tale about single parenting and poverty, you might come you might come away thinking, well, if she could do it, why can't everyone else? And you might expect me to say, it was hard, but I learned so much and I remember that time fondly. What I remember is hunger and crying when I couldn't afford a Christmas tree. I remember being afraid that I couldn't make it, that I would lose my child because I couldn't provide. It's hard to take a rich woman's children. It's remarkably easy to take a poor woman's though. As a society, we tend to treat hunger as a moral failing, as a sign that someone is lacking in a fundamental way. We remember to combat hunger through or around the holidays, but we judge the mothers who will have to rely on food banks, free or reduced lunches at school or food stamps for not being able to stand against a problem that baffles governments around the world. Indeed, we treat poverty itself like a crime like the women experiencing it are making bad decisions for themselves and their children on purpose. We ignore that they don't have a good choice available, that they're making decisions in the space where the handholds are tenuous or non-existent. The women in these circumstances may not have a grocer that sells fresh produce, or at least not one that sells produce they can afford. They may be working too many hours to be able to prepare food, or they might be dealing with food storage issues. 
The story behind that pack of chips and a soda at a bus stop is far more complicated than any ideas of a lack of nutritional knowledge, laziness, or even neglect. Sometimes the food you can access comes from gas stations, liquor stores, and fast food restaurants, and not a fully stocked grocery store, much less a kitchen. We know that food deserts exist, areas where groceries are scarce, and what is available may be unfit for human consumption. But food insecurity is more complicated than simply the ability to access food. There's the question of what food costs versus what people can afford. If you live near a grocery store, but you can't afford to shop there, then it doesn't matter that, you've, that you're not in a food desert. You're still hungry. And hunger doesn't have an age limit. There are food insecure children, food insecure college students, and food insecure elders. Some 42 million Americans are struggling with hunger. Statistically, at least half of that number are women, but given gender bias and wages, the real percentage is something like 60%, 66% of American households struggling with hunger are headed by single mothers. Women and children account for over 70% of the, of the nation's poor. Unfortunately, existing safety net programs have failed to take into account the reality of poor women's lives. The women, I mean, the money a household makes for many state and federal programs like temporary assistance for needy families, TANF, as well as child care subsidies, leaves a wide gap between what is needed and what is available. Take Illinois, for example, where a single parent receiving TANF is one child, oh wait, receiving TANF for one child is eligible for a maximum of $412 a month. Even the most ardent Ardent, ardent proponent of mandating independence should realize that this that 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 isn't enough money to cover the basic needs of two people. As a culture, we don't have sufficient provisions for helping women and families escape poverty. In fact, we often create artificial and unnecessary boundaries like limiting unemployment insurance to full time workers, which leaves part time workers with no assistance if they lose their jobs. Sounds familiar. That was me, not Mickey Kendall. That last part. Okay. We rely on charities to address acute hardships like hunger before the food stamps come in and to respond to the homelessness crisis when HUD was waiting was a waiting list that can span decades in some areas. I don't know what HUD is. Um, HUD. I'll make sure I, fi I find that out. Uh, HUD. Okay, sorry. I'll say that again. So we so in like in fact, we often create artificial and unnecessary barriers like limiting unemployment insurance to full-time workers, which leaves part-time workers with no assistance if they lose their jobs. We rely on charities to address acute hardships like hunger before the food stamps come in and to respond to the homelessness crisis when HUD has a waiting list that can span decades in some areas. We know that without a home, Individual families suffer and fall further into poverty. Yet eviction rates and the price of food continue to rise all while wages remain stagnant and the cycle gets even harder to navigate, especially when work requirements are introduced, one which ignore that childcare is a necessity for women with very young children. It is possible to work, I mean, is it possible to work a full-time job when you can't even afford part-time childcare? 
Or is this a policy guaranteed to create even higher hurdles? Paid maternity leave is a wonderful cause. But what happens when the baby's born and you aren't making enough money to support one person, much less navigate these new higher expenses? Alleviating women's poverty is a critical feminist issue. Yet when we talk about hunger and food insecurity, we rarely talk about it in these terms. Why? Because in many mainstream feminist circles, the people talking about these issues don't know what it is to be food insecure in the long term. Things like food stamp challenges where people live on a budget similar to that of somebody living on food stamps for a week or a month make, a good, make good stunts, but they don't influence public policy. If anything, people who engage in those stunts are more likely to pat themselves on the back for making it through and perhaps donate to their local food bank and then forget that the problem exists. Hunger has a lifelong impact, shaping not only someone's relationship with food, but also their health and the health of their community. Hunger, real hunger, provokes desperation and leads to choices that might otherwise be unfathomable. Survival instincts drive us all, but perhaps none so strongly as that gnawing emptiness of hunger. Whether we call it being hungry or something else, hunger is painful even in the short term, and yet we rarely speak of it as something for feminists to combat when much is less when wait and yet we rarely speak of it as something for feminism to combat, much less as something that is uniquely devastating for women. Consider the way that we handle programs like Snap or Wake in America. We place myriad, 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 I don't know how to pronounce that one either, myriad restrictions at the federal and state levels on how those funds can be used. As a society, we then try to rationalize the limits by pointing to cases of fraud, which aside from cons constituting less than 1% of all public welfare cases, are usually the kinds of things that best be explained by the ways you have to manipulate your life to get through poverty. It's easy to say that no one should ever sell food stamps. Harder to justify that stance. It's easy to say that no one should ever sell food stamps. Harder to justify that stance when you remember that people need things like pots and pans to prepare their food. They need working refrigerators, stoves, and storage solutions to keep out the vermin so commonly found in subpar housing that is often the only option for those living at or below the poverty line. Food stamps don't, ev don't even cover basic household cleaning and hygiene products, much less like diapers and menstrual pads. You can be very comfortable asserting that poor people don't know anything about nutrition if you ignore the fact that perishable fresh foods require not just the space to store and prepare them, but time. Boycotts of terrible retailers are a wonderful idea until you realize that they are not the only option and they are the only option in some areas. The question that would be much that would be protest wait, the question that would be protesters should that the would oh the question that the would be protesters should ask them should then ask themselves is who is being hurt more i'm gonna read that one again the question that the would be protesters should then ask themselves is who is being hurt more the corporation or the people who rely on it for food access for access to food these are questions without easy answers to be sure but that's life in the hood that's being poor, not just in America, 
but around the world. Mainstream feminism plays excellent lip service to the idea that poor women are supported, but in practice, it often fails to interrogate what constitutes support. Hood feminism as a concept is not only about the ways we challenge these narratives, it's about recognizing that the solutions to many problems, in this case hunger, can be messy and sometimes even illegal. Poverty can mean turning to everything from sex work to selling drugs in order to survive because you can't lean in when you can't earn a learning a legal living wage and you still need to feed yourself and those who depend on you. When mainstream feminism fails to consider these options as viable, when it relies on the same old tropes rooted in respectability, it ignores that for many, a choice between starvation and crime isn't a choice. When mainstream feminism fails to consider these as viable options or these options as viable, when it relies on the same old tropes rooted in respectability, it ignores that for many, a choice between starvation and crime isn't enough. Oh, wait. Ugh, the word under says enough. I wanted to end that strong. Um, I'm gonna go edit it. Okay. It ignores that for many, ugh, I'm gonna say that again. When mainstream feminism fails to consider these options as viable, when it relies on the same old tropes rooted in respectability, it ignores that for many, a choice between starvation and crime isn't a choice. Feminism has to be aware enough, flexible enough, to encompass the solutions that arise in a crisis. When feminists fail to recognize the impact of hunger, I don't know why I said that like that. When feminists fail to recognize the impact of hunger, they can unwittingly contribute to the harm done by failing to offer the slightest bit of compassion or grace to those who are fa facing only bad choices. Did y'all hear that? I'm sorry. <laughs> but really though, but hunger is devastating. Its impact's painful in the short term and it's horrifying if it endures over time or across generations. If we're going to say that this is a movement that cares for all women, it has to be one that not only listens to all women, but advocates for their basic needs to be met. You can't be a feminist who ignores hunger, especially not when you have the power and the connections to make it an issue for politicians to, in a meaningful way. Fight against hunger as hard as you fight for abortion rights or equal pay. Understand that this isn't a problem that can be addressed later. And I ended that on page 37. And so um, I really just want to encourage as a practice um, with this reading that you're able to look at your own relationship to food um, and being able to express and create out of that. Um, when we post the visual for this, I will be sharing um, information, more information about this, but um, there is a food equity initiative that's going on right now in um, for Cultivate Charlottesville in Charlottesville, Virginia. 
Um, if you're in Charlottesville, Virginia, it's a great initiative, I think, to get informed not only on the issues, but on some um, solutions that a lot of people have been putting together. Again, it's the Food Equity Initiative for Cultivate Charlottesville. Um, I encourage you to check that out um, as a like kind of structured plan for action right now. Um, they're trying to get support for uh, recommendations they're making to city council um, concerning food and equity um, and justice, um, the power to grow, um, and other topics. And so um, in just looking at the healing ways that we can, you know, communicate and be in community around food, I hope that you're able to remember... Um, you know, the ways in which we can heal ourselves, um, heal each other, heal the soil, um, and how those are all connected. And so thank you guys again. Um, I, I will say, uh, this is very, very, um, experimental. Um, let me know how it, how it feels. Um, we're getting some people lined up to bring in other voices. Um, this has just been a very, very busy time for me. And, um, I think that I'm finding, you know, that a lot of people don't always have the energy at two o'clock and I wanted to make sure that this was something that was accessible to, you know, not just my community that is, um, able to get on zoom and stuff like that, but the communities out there that are working right now, um, are at home right now, chilling that aren't maybe able to, um, you know, be on. So I apologize if this, you know, if anybody wanted to do the video, um, I was a little bit hesitant. So I think that's, I know that's why I took forever to announce these kind of transitions. Um, but again, we're all a working motion. This is, you know, nobody knows, nobody's a master at this or perfect. So, um, please, 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 if you're interested in being on the podcast or being in a future thing, you can download anchor.fm on your phone and you can record it from your house. Um, yeah, so I definitely think that anybody like that wants to do this, um, you know, we can start having more conversations. I'm not trying to be the only one up here. Um, I've been thinking, you know, like two to three people and just being able to have conversation, um, and you know extending that conversation so thank you guys again have a lovely day enjoy this weather um whichever day that you're reading this i hope it's beautiful or you're listening to this i hope it's beautiful and um thank you so much for joining or tuning in <laughs>